Good to see you all this morning. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, keep your place here, then we'll jump down uh, to verse number 8. But also put a marker over in the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. Genesis 12, we'll go there. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We've looked now, I think this is the sixth lesson we've looked at, on lessons of faith from Hebrews 11. It's an amazing chapter. I said it, I think, in almost every one of the messages. Verses 1 through 3 is God's doctrinal statement about faith. If you want to know what faith is, it's defined for you by the word of God. By the way, your Bible will do a better job defining Bible words than any Bible dictionary will do. Look at the context. Look the first time God mentioned something in Scripture. And just read the Bible. You'll figure it out. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And God defines all of that. Then in the rest of the chapter, he illustrates it. And that's what God does. Uh, we saw also in Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So far we've looked at different individuals, and this morning we're going to look down at verse number 8, at the life of Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look at the life of Abraham. We commonly call him the father of the faithful. And if, you, if most of us in this room were to make a list of faithful people, we would list Abraham just as you did. Help us this morning as we look into some just simple things about his life that really can apply to every one of us here. May we understand what you're trying to teach us from this passage. I pray you'd help me as I teach now in Jesus' name. Amen. I love studying the life of Abraham. In fact, in this particular series, I have uh, at least one more lesson just from the life of Abraham from a little bit later on in the chapter. Then you have Abraham and Sarah together. And uh, Abraham is one of those Bible characters that uh, you just have to spend time studying because God talks so much about him. Amen? And, uh, and so God used him in a great way. And here we see that it says about Abraham, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. Notice this, not knowing whither he went. Now we know Abraham was a man of faith. But men like Noah, he was told, I want you to build an ark because I'm sending a flood. He knew what was next. The first thing I see about Abraham, he, his faith caused him to obey, not knowing the details. Notice again, it says in the end of verse number 8, that he went out not knowing whither he went. God said, I want you to leave the Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave your home, and I want you to go to another place. Let's go to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 12. I asked you to put a marker there, Genesis 12. Verses 1 through 3, this was his, his original 
uh, you know, the, the, the great call God gave to him there in, in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, the Lord had said unto Abraham, or to Abram, excuse me, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Not part of the message, but we as a country better continue to bless Israel. It's the only reason I believe that God has held back his hand of of great judgment on America is because we're still a friend to Israel. You realize there are great forces trying to change that. And, uh, but here we see that he was, he was called. He said, get thee out. He said, I, I want you to leave where you are. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything you've known and go to what I will show you. Didn't say what I'm going to show you right now. One of the great things about Abraham's faith, he was willing to obey even when God didn't give him details. Aren't you glad God doesn't give you all the details of what's next? Most of us in our Christian life, if we knew what was coming we'd run screaming the other direction, amen? Uh, I've had many people tell, uh, you know, ask our family, why don't you guys write a book about ministry? Number one, no one would believe it. <laughs> Stuff we've done, just the stories are just crazy. They're fun to tell, but I don't think I want to put them in writing. Number two, I don't think the statute of limitations has run out on everything, amen? There's still too many people alive. But number three, if some younger people understood what you really face in ministry, you'd never go in ministry. That's why God doesn't tell you. Uh, God called Abraham to leave, uh, but Abraham didn't know what was next. He didn't know, uh, go there to Genesis 22. You're in Genesis 12, go to Genesis 22. In Genesis 12, if Abraham knew what was going to happen 10 chapters later, I don't think he'd have left the Ur of the Chaldees. What happened next? Well, look at it. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claimed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Now, when you think about that, God is now telling him, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. He said, I want you to go. Now, remember the promise. God had said, I will make of Isaac a great nation. It's by his seed that the Messiah will come. You realize in chapter 22, Isaac wasn't married yet. It wasn't until chapter 4 that they send out Abraham's servant to find a bride for Isaac. That's faith. So God, I don't understand how this is going to happen. I don't understand what's next, but I am willing to trust you. It was a pattern in Abraham's life that God would give him a command and not tell him the details. Most of us, especially here in America, we want to know all the details. We want to have everything all figured out. We want to have it all, you know, everything scheduled. Well, this is how it's going to work. You know, when I went to Bible college, I had it all figured out. I graduated from high school a year early because I knew I was going right to Bible college. I went to Bible college, had it all figured out. You know, I'll go there four years, I'll graduate. By this age, I'll be doing this. It was a great plan. My daughter's laughing. 
I squeezed my college degree into 11 years. <laughs> Not everybody can do that. Most people could do it in four. I worked really hard. Got married, had four kids, and started two churches during those 11 years. Had no idea what was coming. Had I known, I probably wouldn't have gone to Bible college. Had it all figured out. God said, great plan, just not mine. Think of the faith of Abraham. God said, I want you to move. Okay. So he goes down and gets a U-Haul truck. I want to rent a truck. How long you need it? Don't know. Where are you taking it? Can't tell you that either. How'd you like to be Sarah when he comes home? Honey, start packing. Why? We're moving. Okay, where are we moving to? Don't know. Where are we going to forward our mail? I don't know. Why are we moving? God said so. That was Abraham's faith. God didn't tell him the details. said, just do this. That is a pattern in the Bible. Over and over again, you see it. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Abraham diligently sought God, even though he did not even know what that meant. God gave him a command. He just obeyed. He had no guarantee of success. He didn't know he was going to end up very wealthy. He didn't know he was going to have all this cattle. God just said, go. He did not know all the children that were going to come uh, through Abraham, uh, through, through Isaac and then Jacob. He had no idea. He just believed when God said, go. Do you just obey God when he speaks? Or do you argue with him until you get the details? See, getting the details is walking by sight. Leaving there are the Chaldees, not knowing whether he went, that's walking by faith. Think about the children of Israel as they were going through the, the wilderness for 40 years. They followed a cloud. Pillar cloud by day, pillar fire by night. They didn't know when the cloud was going to move. They didn't know how far it would go in a day. They just followed the cloud. They had no idea what was beyond the cloud. They had no idea where the cloud was going. None of that mattered the cloud was the presence of God. See, to Abraham, it was just enough in his life to have God. None of that other stuff mattered to him. It was a normal thing for God to command Abraham uh, to, to just do something without telling him the details. God is, is, is often coming to us, asking us to do what Abraham did, leave what we know and just follow him. Think about the disciples in Matthew 4, 19. Where Jesus says to these disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we look at that, we don't understand the magnitude of that statement. Who's he saying that to? Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. These weren't casual fishermen. They owned a fishing business. They were commercial fishermen, small business owners. In business with James and John's dad. Think about it. God comes to them and tells them, leave what you know and follow me. That is faith. You see, when we get saved, God will change everything about our life. By the way, that's one of the most re important reasons for separation. We're to leave what we were. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are past, away. behold, all things are become new. But we never quote verse 18. And all things are of God. The changes come from Him. 
who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We see then uh, that, first of all, his, uh, that, that Abraham, his, his faith, he obeyed not knowing the details. Check my time here, we're doing great. Number two, his faith was counted for righteousness. Go to, to um, Romans chapter 4, please. Romans 4. Look at verse number 1, if you would. Romans 4, 1. We'll read down through verse number 8. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaineth to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. I love this next, next five words. For what saith the Scripture? This is a good question here. What does the Bible say about Abraham's faith? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom, the Lord, uh, to whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Here we see the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was Abraham's faith that made him righteous, not his actions. It wasn't his works. It's not the actions of Abraham that caused God to declare him righteous. And can I tell you, it's not your works that cause God to declare you righteous either. It's faith. Romans 4, look at verse 13. For, as the, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The reason God made the promise to Abraham is not because, promise, because Abraham did all these things. God made the promise because God knew Abraham had faith in him. Verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to, uh, to that only which is of the law, but to that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. It's faith by grace. It's amazing how often God puts those two together. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let me just say this. Abraham didn't do anything to gain God's favor. That was by grace. If you have favor of God today, it's not because of anything you have done. It's because of the grace of God. It is always given without earning it, without merit. Abraham, his faith was counted for righteousness. Abraham's the father of the faithful, not because he did all these things. He did all those things because he had faith. That's the difference. And James says, you know, you show me your faith by your works, I will show you, uh, show me your faith without works, I will show you my faith by my works. And, and I love what I heard um, uh, evangelist Fred Brown say when I was a teenager. He preached in our church and he said, it's not faith plus works. 
It's faith that works. That's what James is talking about. James and, and, and Paul are not in opposition. James, the book of James doesn't teach we're saved by works. It's saying when we get saved, we will work. That's what it's teaching, all right? Uh, but Abraham, he, w- he had a faith that, that was based, uh, that his faith was counted for righteousness. When God saw his faith, he counted him righteous. Let's go back to um, Hebrews 11, if you will. We see with Abraham, he obeyed not knowing the details. That's faith. His faith was counted for righteousness. But look at verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. It says he sojourned. You know what that means? He traveled through. He didn't plan to stay there. Uh, he says that he, was as a, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Um, the third thing about his faith, the focus of his faith was on the eternal, not the temporal. Abraham wasn't worried about building a big mansion in the promised land. He was concerned about what God had for him in the future. He realized that this blessed life that God puts a stamp of approval on is not the goal, nor is it the end. you got these... These guys on television, these preachers, they, they say, you know, you talk about your best life now. No, that's not even the focus. The focus is eternity. Amen? It's remarkable that Abraham didn't acquire any rights to Canaan. He, he didn't get any cities while he was alive. You know what he got in Canaan? A burying place. That's all he got. Why? Because that's not what he was looking for. Uh, Colossians 3 tells us in verses 1 and 2, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. I love that song. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to sing it. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You know, our problem is we get too comfortable here. We get too wrapped up in, in what's here. You've never seen a U-Haul trailer on the back of a hearse. When you die, you're not taking anything with you. Years ago, when I was still in college, I worked for a, print, a, a man that owned a print shop. He owned four of, uh, 14 of them. And uh, he, he was in Jacksonville, Florida. And he had a big yacht. He was a, 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 a very wealthy businessman. And he had this 60-foot yacht that would go up and down the St. John's River, then out into the, the ocean and he had a brass plaque on it, preacher, that said, He who dies with the most toys wins. No, you don't, because none of that matters when you die. Abraham, his focus, the focus of his faith was on that which is eternal. Remember what, what Hebrews 11 1 says Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If the things of earth capture your attention more than the things of heaven, your faith needs a new focus. Not a Ford focus, but a focus on heaven, all right? Wake some of you up. (laughs) Hebrews 11, look at verse 9 again. I got excited when Brother uh, uh, 
when our brother was up just a moment ago, uh, and he read his scripture there in, in, uh, in Psalm. We're going to come back to Psalm 71 in a minute. I, just, I, got, I almost took a lap when you started reading that verse. Look at, uh, and I'll see, you'll see why in a minute. Hebrews 11, 9, by faith he, he sojourned in the land of promise as a, in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. Fourth thing I see about Abraham's faith, his faith influenced the next generation. Isaac and Jacob followed the faith of Abraham. One of the most convicting things about being a parent and now being a grandparent is this. I see character traits in my children and grandchildren that I know where it came from. <laughs> my wife. But anyway, uh, boy, am I in trouble now. I need a place to eat lunch this afternoon. But uh, man, you see those character traits like, man, I know where they learned that. Where did Isaac and Jacob learn their faith? From Abraham. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, when Paul writing to that young preacher, he Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded in thee also. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, catches knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul was reminding Timothy, I see a faith in you, but that's not where it started. I saw it in your mother and in your grandmother. And Timothy, don't forget that. One of the greatest challenges of being a grandparent, one of the greatest responsibilities is passing our faith, not just to our children, but to our grandchildren. Uh, that, go back to Psalm 71, where we were a little bit earlier, when Brother Duke was reading this passage. I love verse 18. Then we'll go to, go, go to Psalm 78 in just a moment. Psalm 71, verse number 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, Notice this, until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. David was saying, when I get old, don't forsake me, don't, don't, don't put me off to the side until this generation knows about your strength because of me. And the generations to come after that. Uh, go to Psalm 78. In verse number 1, Psalm 78, and verse number 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Notice verse 4. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob, and He appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, 
Why? Here's the purpose, verse number 7. That they might set their hope in God and not forsake the work, forget the works of, of God, but keep His commandments. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Here the Bible is very clear. Our responsibility to those coming behind us is to show them what God has done. There's an awful lot in the Old Testament about monuments. When they came to the Jordan River, when they crossed over going in in, in, in uh, uh, Joshua's day, and God parted the river just like He had parted the Red Sea, and they marched through on dry ground. God had the priests take 12 stones out of the middle of that dry ground in what used to be a river and build a monument on the other side of Jordan. Then he had 12 other stones be put in the middle of the river and they built another monument that was covered with water. And God never says why that one's there. I guess maybe so the fish will know. God did something, amen? But the other one was there so that in generations to come when a son would ask his father, what mean ye by these stones? They could then take the opportunity let me tell you what God did. Amen. Let me explain to you how good our God is. It's an amazing thing when you study the life of the children of Israel. In Judges chapter number 2. In fact, quickly turn there if you will. Judges 2. I'm just going to mention this because it, it, it reiterates this point. Judges 2. And it says in verse number 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. The Bible says about Israel that they served God all the days of Joshua. Joshua was an amazing leader of Israel. And God used him in an incredible way. I mean, the, re- the way they conquered the promised land was because... Joshua followed the leadership of God, the the cities they conquered, and all the different things that happened. They served the Lord as long as Joshua was alive. And the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, but notice what it says, who had seen the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. It's interesting, when, when he died at 110 years of age and they buried him, look at verse 10, and also all that generation were gathered to their fathers. So you've got Joshua died, the generation after him died. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. You have three generations. Joshua, he knew God, and he knew God's works personally. He had seen God part the the Jordan River just like he'd seen God part the Red Sea for Moses. Moses didn't, or Joshua just didn't talk about what God did for Moses. He could give testimony about what God did for him and through him in his life. But the elders, they knew God. But they only knew about his works. God didn't do that stuff for them. He did it for Joshua. 
That's where most Christians live their lives, talking about what God did for somebody else. I love reading biographies. I love reading about people God used, missionaries and pastors. I love reading about those. But pastor, I don't want to just read about them. I want to experience some of that. I want God to do things in my life. I'm glad God used my dad, but I want God to use me. Amen? That generation, they, the elders, they knew God, but they only knew about His works. The next generation knew not God or His works. It's very easy to go from people that serve God with passion to a generation that mocks God and turns against Him. What happens? The generation in the middle, they don't express to the generation to come what God did in the past, and they can't give any personal testimonies about what God did for them. It's got to be personal. Just like your salvation had to be personal. And we'll get to this in another lesson, but let me just close with this thought with Abraham. How did he influence another generation? Genesis 22. He took Isaac up on a mountain. Abraham's over, well over 100 years of age. Isaac was probably 18 to 20 years of age. I'm going to submit to you an 18-year-old or 20-year-old could win a fight with a 118-year-old any day of the week. They get up on top of the mountain. Isaac says to his father, if you hold the fire and the wood, where is the lamb? You see, this wasn't the first time Isaac and Abraham had offered sacrifices. This was the first time they didn't bring a sacrifice. I love what our Bible says there in Genesis 22. God will provide himself a lamb. Not provide for himself. He will provide himself a lamb. But you understand Isaac still had to get on an altar? The way they would kill those sacrifices, the, the priest would get on top of that animal and he would grab its hair by the top of the head and pull it up, looking into its eyes, take a knife and slit the throat. I can picture Abraham straddling Isaac, pulling his head up with a knife. The Bible says he had the knife out. And then he heard the word of the, the angel of the Lord. It's enough. Don't you know Abraham was excited to hear that, but not nearly as excited as Isaac. But Isaac saw enough in his father's faith to get on an altar. What does your family see in your faith? What do your grandchildren see? Abraham's faith, he obeyed, not knowing the details. His faith was counted for righteousness. The focus of his faith was eternal, not temporal. And his faith influenced the next generation. We have a great responsibility to those coming after us to show them a life of faith that just believes God when it doesn't make sense. Because one day they're going to be in that exact same position. I wish we had time to talk about it, but over and over again, you see in the life of Isaac, he copied that which Abraham did. Even the mistakes Abraham made, he followed those too. Oh, what a great responsibility to show to the generation to come a faith worth following. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Abraham. And these testimonies of faith that you included in the scriptures, may we learn from them, may we live them. Pray your blessing in our service to follow now in Jesus' name. Amen.